Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson. We're going to do another feature, so longer form conversation on the current state of coaching. And Adam, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is it seems like new clients that come on board with me after 25 plus years of coaching, uh, they seem to obviously have some experience. They've generally worked with coaches in the past, but yet it's it's obvious to me that their experience is different than what they're going to encounter with me. And part of it is that they're they're coming on board into that coaching persona business model now where I've lived through several evolutions of it. So I thought, you know, one of the one of the first things I wanted to discuss is just some of the differences. Like, like why did the coaching industry start where it did, how it did? what it was like back then. And then we can draw some contrasts and, and maybe help people understand what they should expect. You know, how do you know you have a good coach? But, you know, let's let's go all the way back to 1998 when I started writing for Natural Bodybuilding and Fitness. The internet was just getting started uh, in that full capacity. Social media did not yet exist in any form. And, uh, you know, I, I started writing about contest prep type um, topics. You know, I had to fill content. I had magazines to write for. And because I was starting to do things differently, I'm the person who said, you shouldn't dehydrate. That's stupid. You're going to look bad. You shouldn't, you know, take sodium out of your diet. Why would you do that? This is what the osmolarity of cells is like. And so, I was so countercultural to what people were used to. It gained a lot of attention. People started inquiring, like, could you help me? Like, how do you figure this out? So I created that entire coaching model. Like, hey, you can hire me. You pay me this amount. I will help you get ready for a contest. Brand new concept at that time. And of course, now everybody in the world who's ever competed is, quote, a coach. But back then, it was entirely technocratic. And maybe that was just because of my personality. You know, here's what you do. Here's the play that you're going to run. Your food intake should be here. Do this. Don't do that. And because of the amount of clients I was receiving very quickly, I was working 18 hours a day, six days a week, doing nothing but contest prep. So I just kind of I would say devolved, not evolved, devolved into a once a week check-in, if you had some questions, I mean, of course, we'll communicate through that until it's time to check in next week. That has still remained as a core way to communicate, which is a little bit odd to me because people text, direct message, they want they want real-time communication. Um, but it was it was certainly, you know, this is the science or this is my perception as as a health scientist myself, as a pro bodybuilder myself, as somebody sorting through all of these misinformation points, we need to get people on the same page. And it was all about doing something appropriately. And, and I would say for the most part, that's still the core theme. You know, when somebody hires you, they may have come from another coach. They didn't like the result. And so they think, hey, Adam's a great guy, seems to know a lot. His clients all do well. I'll hire him. He'll figure it out and he'll help me perfect this process even better. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's most people have a, a longer paper trail of having competed before. I also think 
you know, my experience levels greater than it was before too. So I have more um, high placing athletes seeking out my services now, you know, than before. Well, I remember. So when, you know, first of all, you and I knew each other, we met because you were a coach kind of in my system and we were doing some mentorship work, but you quickly just came out of the gate and started eclipsing what I even thought the power of social media could bring to coaching. So, you know, all of a sudden I'm seeing you post things and you have just thousands and thousands of responses and you're, you're constantly showing up at contests with 15 or 20 clients around you in photos and, you know, taking that step forward from where I began the journey in the late nineties to maybe 10 or 12 years later, when you were hitting your stride, what, what do you think made the difference for you to gain some traction like that? I think, I think being new was part of that interest, right? Because when you're new, people want to try it and they're very interested in what I was doing. Also, I think I had a really good divide of that was kind of the time period where people were afraid to do macros. So I would almost, I would almost get people in by doing it their way with a meal plan. And then whenever they wanted to cheat meal or refeed, I would teach them like, just track your, track your refeed macros. Like, and you can eat anything you want. And when they found that that worked, I started doing it with the rest of the meals Mm. and uh, slowly got them into macro tracking. They told their friends and their friends were in disbelief that this worked. So I think the timing that I came in was really key. And also how, even though I was a macro coach, I was willing to, because everyone offered custom programming back then, but they either did macros or meal plans. And I was like, well, if it's truly custom, wouldn't you do both depending on what the athlete wants? And that's always been, um, my motto is I always do offer a custom approach to athletes. And still to this day, I do macros and meal plans, even though I more so prefer macros. So I think that made a big difference. And then also, you know, I did have some really good results out the gates and still do. So, you know, many times athletes come to me and have a better appearance than they did you know, with other coaches who even charged more and made them track more senseless data for no reason, you know, like made them track their steps, the whole prep. And it comes down to experience. There's a lot of new coaches out there that charge 500 bucks a month, but I would really look at the track record on, do they have any pros? Have they actually made somebody better for the stage? And, you know, also, are they a dick or not? <laughs> you know, So I, I treat my people like humans. And I think that's always the one trait they'll indefinitely keep me alive in the industry is uh, I, I form a really good community with my athletes. We do daily Zoom calls Monday through Friday. Um, I'm really accessible. So there's really no reason to fail or any possible way to fail if you follow everything in my camp. Well, two of the things that stood out to me as I was watching your early success is you you seem to specialize a bit. So I, I do want to talk about qualification and uh, specialization. 
uh, you, you were you were always surrounded by figure competitors and then bikini competitors, and that just seemed to be like you know success begets success. As as women see you do well with other women, and they see clients of yours winning, then that that brings them into your purview. But the other thing is you, even from the beginning, you were just good. I would look at your clients and look at their results, look look at their photos, and I'm like, he's just fucking nailing it every time. How is Adam doing that? And I know you're a, you're a coach who learned from me, and so, but still, like there there is an intuitive nature to what we do as coaches, kind of the art form. And then there's the formal education, how much biology and physiology. And I've always told people you're you're, you're kind of like Rain Man in that I would hear you quote things word for word that I might have said in a lecture or a video 10 years earlier. I'm like, wow, he really absorbs this stuff. But, um, you know, going back to just the fact that you seem to have this innate ability to know how to bring people in to their best level. I see people also hire high level, high name coaches, and then I see their results. And I'm like, it, the person, the coach just doesn't know what they're doing. They're just not good. Um, you know, how do you think you stay current? And, and what did you do to to really kind of gain that command of the craft? I think that I had an eye for it right out the gates. What? I will say this. I got to see one of the most extreme real-time peaking scenarios. When you showed me what you did with Martin Daniels, it was like I could not unsee that. You showed me a picture of a guy who I thought looked absolutely perfect, and then I think you had him send you photos like, you know, an hour later, and the changes you made to him, and you just kind of gave me this smirk because I was blown away, and I I was like, wow, he looks better. And you said, just because he looked good doesn't mean he can't look better. And I was like, holy shit, that's like a major life lesson right there. And um, I think having the ability to see somebody with so much muscle tissue um, gave it a really extreme change. Um, you know, with smaller people, when you start out as an amateur, it is hard to see those changes because they are going to be more minute. So I feel like I got a fast pass to success by seeing such an extreme change on an athlete that I kind of knew what was possible. So, um, you know, with doing that, it just really comes down to developing an eye. Um, I am huge on having my light with me backstage to look at people because that light makes a really consistent result for how I'm visualizing my clients. So if I'm there at this show, like we're just not going to miss, you know, it's, and if I've had you a while too, you know, it, it comes down to communication. And I also too, you know, I've, I've had mistakes, you know, and I didn't stop because I made a mistake or something like that. I think a lot of coaches are just like, I'm not good at this. And, you're, you're not going to be at the very beginning and you have to be realistic to yourself. Um, and you also have to be honest with your clients if you are newer and there's definitely nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah, there there are a couple of points that you mentioned that I'm going to cover that I've got in my notes here. But one of the things you just said, they're mentioning being on site. I, I want to get to in a second as a transition, but 
you know, I, I've also seen really highly educated coaches, masters and PhDs in nutrition and exercise science who just aren't good. Like they don't have that artful side or that interpretive ability to to just know where people are. So that is something you have to learn, even if you have some some good formal physiological education. But then I also see people who are still just stuck as one trick ponies. They just have their way of peaking. And even when friends of mine who have used other coaches and then I view their photos after contests and I tell them, look, like you just weren't your best. Why? Why didn't you say something? Why? Why did you, quote, just trust the process when you know and could feel you weren't your best? And sometimes they'll say, well, I kind of did. But the coach said, just basically shut up and do it anyway. And, and so some of those things are are just obvious red flags like you sh you should you should know that if you're a client that this is just not the best place to be but you mentioned being on site with your light that was another thing i saw early with you is that you were going to a lot of contests and i i it kind of it kind of grates at my soul a little bit because i'm just not somebody who would spend 40 or 50 weeks a year after working 60, 70 hours, Monday through Friday, you know, flying to venues to be with every single client. And I know you can't either. You can't be at 10 different shows on a weekend, but yet you, like other big name successful coaches, just made that a part of scaling a business. This is just what you do. You have to go where the people are. And uh, I, I thought that was really smart on your part. And I'm curious if you still do that as much. Could, do you find the way to get to as many shows as possible? Yeah. And one of our major reasons for moving to Vegas is there's so many shows out here. We were going out here a lot in general just to compete. So um, it's cool because now our athletes can come to us and, uh, you know, we really go over the top and giving our people experience. A lot of times they stay with us. So we're doing real time peaking even seeing them cook their meals. So on a whole nother level, probably more so than most coaches are going, we're going and um, we don't have any kids. So it is a really great experience for us to share our life and uh, success with people. Yeah, I, I think that's brilliant. And I think it's a great part. Um, but I'll give you an example. Like one of my clients said, hey, will you come to my show? I'm like, sure, but that would cost you two plane tickets and kind of a day rate to pay my expenses. Uh, because if you look at what you've paid me for this prep, I would I would pay about five times that just to go to your show. Um, but again, I, I realize in the sense of security and and being with clients that's just immeasurably a great benefit that a lot of coaches can offer I, I would say to those of us who who just can't do it that much or don't want to um when I was frequently you know putting 15 20 sometimes 30 clients in different contests every single weekend, just managing that was like being at NASA Command Central. I mean, I was never not on my phone for 12 to 16 hours every single Saturday. And to be on site often takes you away from other clients. And even for the clients that are on site with you, 
uh, sometimes they're waiting and waiting and waiting until they can see you in real time. And yet you could have returned five or six sets of photos and communication back and forth. So just for, for those listening to us as competitors, keep in mind, that's a pro and a con. You know, your coach doesn't have to be there to do extremely well. Matter of fact, you can probably get better, faster, you know, information back and forth otherwise. But at the same time, it's a whole different set of pros versus cons when you've got somebody on site. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of major coaching differences, whether you're there or whether you're not, for sure. Mm-hmm. So so what do you think the role with specialization is now? Do, do you feel like you're so ingrained with a certain type of clientele that you just rather stay there? Or do you feel like, hey, I'm I'm doing great with males, females, physique, bodybuilding, whatever comes my way. I've been doing this long enough that, that I've got it all covered. I mean, ideally, I would love to have someone come in without any problems or issues or health issues. And I I do feel like I've unfortunately and fortunately gotten into the avenue where I am fixing a lot of other coaches mess ups on, you know, what they did with a client that made their blood work flag so horribly or, um, you know, maybe did some really long preps or made girls lose their hair and weren't necessarily doing anything to help them get that back naturally or even or even <laughs> make the right moves that were causing those kinds of responses in the body. Um, so I do have, I would say, a specialization for helping people get their health back on track after maybe some bad preps. Um, it takes a lot more work and a lot more specialization on my end, but I'm willing to do it because ultimately it allows me to one, fix somebody's health, but to give somebody a really great experience when they decide to compete again and maybe be blown away by how little they had to do in terms of, uh, maybe PDs or anabolics or, you know, maybe they're still doing a lot of cardio, but they're only training three or four days a week versus doing like three hours of cardio and training seven days a week. So um, kind of specializing in what I like to say is the hospice of dieting, where, you know, it's still going to suck, but we're going to make as gentle as possible. And yeah, I still have those high cardio clients, but the key is to make it not as high as maybe it would be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of go 50, 50 on this one in that I I do think there's some advantage. I've, I've got friends who coach and they definitely specialize that they will only take a certain kind of client. And, you know, when that's what you have and that's what your eyes are trained on all the time, I I think you, you do become a little better or you stay up with every single little nuance with, um, real quick. (laughs) Okay. No worries. Um, so, so I think there's some value there, but also again, with experience, you just end up, you know, having the ability to help a lot of people. Um, I, I want to switch with what you just said about client expectations and, and the fact that you, you tend to attract a decent amount of people who are looking to fix some, some, you know, unfortunate problems that they may have, you know, caused with their health. Uh, I, I always am a little bit nervous when I take new clients, uh, because we've not worked together. And so there are a lot of unknowns along the way, and they're typically, 
expecting to be in better condition and I, and I've just never gone there with this particular person. And so to, to rush that process, I think is a bad expectation for a client. Um, but I'll give you an, an example of a brand new client I worked with just recently competed last weekend. And, you know, he had worked with a coach and sent me photos and this is what we did. This was the result, but I know you're the guy you, you, you can do this better. And my coach fully said, if you've got the opportunity to work with Joe, I mean, once in a lifetime thing, do it. And we had a good three or so month span between contests to make some dramatic improvements in his physique. And I mean, he went from a back of the pack kind of guy to literally like being the the highlight of, of a couple classes. And he had a lot of the, the great qualities we needed. His physique was was very, very good, but he didn't even know how good he could be in, in a sense of conditioning. And uh, the whole peaking process was new to him. He had never done anything quite like I did it. And he said, man, you know, I just did exactly what you said. I trusted the process and I cannot believe how good I looked. Like I, I look at these photos from the, the stage and even getting judges comments. And he said, I, I'm just stunned. I didn't know I could be this good. But I want to contrast that. I know that's a little self-congratulatory. Um to another client who had also worked with me for the first time. And I just, I wasn't happy with the way peak week was going. I'm like, man, I feel like we need, like, there's a couple things we need to keep pushing, 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 pushing. And, and essentially he wasn't filling up like I wanted. And I kept having to add carbs and I was a little worried, like maybe this is too much. Maybe this is too much when it was all said and done and he, he did fine, but he still just didn't look his best. And so I was like, man, I, I feel like I kind of blew this one. And then he said, Joe, I want to tell you, like, this is all on me. He said, I didn't do half of the things you told me during peak week. When I told you I was eating this, I was eating half the carbs because I was worried that, that it would be too much or, and then you had me do this and I didn't drink that much water and had me do this. And so here I am ripping my, my hair out obviously. Um, and just, you know, fighting against the grain to, to help him come in, you know, better. And, and, you know, when, when you're slinging, um, decisions from a base of misinformation, you're, you're not going to hit that target. Um, so I, I wanted to contrast those because Adam, I think the, the expectations of new coaching, everybody's out there, marketing and messaging that they're the best coach hire me do this do that but on the shoulders of the competitor to decide that this is a partnership this is a unique aspect i think of modern coaching this is not the beginnings that i described that were very technocratic here's the playbook just do it it's 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 a lot of gathering information in real time and monitoring and assessing and and making decisions based on change that's happening that day. And, and I think clients really need to understand that. And mm -hmm. you it's, it's things are negotiable. You know, you can tell me you don't agree with me. You can tell me you want to try something else. You want to, you, you tell me that your history indicates to you that maybe something a little different is, it would be better. That's, that's great. That's great information. Let's have that dialogue. But, but there is a lot of interplay that's necessary. And I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, having coached for probably 15 years now, um, you know, is that kind of communication process different today than it might've been five or 10 or 15 years ago? 
I think the athletes are more knowledgeable that they need someone who actually does work with them. And I think they catch on to the BS a lot quicker. Um, I had a girl who um, did what we call see you later, laner experience weekend. Um, she's an IFBB pro and she got her pro card in 18. Actually, I think it was 17, but she said, I had never had a coach who let me be a part of the process versus just telling me what to do. And it was so militant and that was all I did. Um, so, you know, kudos to how I coach. That is what she likes about working with me is she's like, I feel like I'm listened to and you know, the appropriate changes are made. Or I even have some say in, you know, how things go, which she's a great athlete. She got her pro card. She obviously knows what she's doing and she just needs an expert eye. But like you said, it really is a partnership. And I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, my coach won't do that. And that is what really divides the relationship because clients shouldn't be afraid to ask. Um, you know, I've had clients ask me for cheat meals and it wasn't a hard no, but it's like a no at this time, you know, because we maybe only have six weeks left of the prep and maybe the answer is yes, but we might need to move your show date back, <laughs> you know? So it, it's not a hard yes or no all the time. You just have to work with people and explain why. And uh, I think that's why my open call format is so valuable because people can hear other people's questions and realize how um, communicative the process is and how customized it is. I think what we're doing is, again, just like we did with Peak Week many, many years ago, is starting a new revelation of how coaching is done. Well, speaking of what coaches won't do, I'm going to put you on the hot seat for a second. Um, in, in this this has a little bit of an impetus in personal experience in that one of my clients that I've worked with for a long time uh, decided to, to change coaches. And, and I immediately saw her gaining tons of muscle and could tell she was taking Anavar and just had gone that route. And, you know, you can see the masculinization in her face now and everything, the clear physique differences and strength are, are off the chart different. And the irony is she had never even asked me, like, would you do that? Would, would you cross that bridge with me? And I think it's probably because she has heard me say it's it's not my forte. I don't I don't push people. I, I work with plenty of enhanced athletes who use PEDs, but I simply tell them that's that's you like you tell me what you're doing, when, what doses, when you're making changes. So I know. But a you know, it's still a, a scheduled illegal substance. I'm not a medical doctor, let alone an endocrinologist. I'm just not going to risk your health or my career by, uh, you know, overtly doing that. Totally fine with you doing it. And, and I can absolutely manage the nutrition and the peaking process. And, and I saw a, a position statement by 3DMJ. Eric Helms put out something like, here is why we don't work with enhanced athletes. Like they don't even want to work with them. And I draw the line and of course I'll work with you. I, I'm just not going to mechanistically give you a prescription dose. Do this, don't do that. Um, but I know you 
are somebody who's like, well, I've really researched this quite a bit and I've got some experience. I've talked to a lot of people. I've worked even with, with medical professionals. So if, if I'm wrong, correct me, but you are somebody who's like, yeah, I'm okay telling people what's safe, what to do. Here's typical. Here's, here's what you may need if you're going to go this route. Uh, explain that to me. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of different ways you can go about it. But one, making sure their sourcing is legitimate, whether you have them go to a hormone clinic. But I also find on the other hand, other coaches just send their clients to those clinics and those clinics aren't always well versed in bodybuilding supplementation. So it's really important to have a good clinic that works with you and communicates well with your athletes. And then a big part of this for me is, like you said, the masculization. So show your face during your progress photos. Um, here's a list of the things to watch out for. Um, I actually have my women do voice recordings for um, what I would say is more extreme supplementation to make sure there's no um, deepening of the voice. And um, you can really watch for that like bi-weekly and make sure that there's no change in the hertz of their voice. So um, there's that's something I'm really big on. And actually, one of my best athletes and I parted ways because of her wanting to take it too far and I wasn't comfortable um, just, you know, you're a women's physique competitor, you're placing top five. We're not quite winning, but you want to jump up a division like you haven't even won your first women's physique pro show yet. And uh, so she went the other way and now she's doing a bunch of podcasts on how bodybuilding ruined her. And I don't want to say I told you so, but this is this is why I didn't go there, because you know, you weren't an Andrea Shaw who was genetically gifted for that division. We were going to have to, you weren't even winning women's physique. So why would we jump up a division? It just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And so that's where I kind of see the end range of that category. There are people like 3DMJ who, not to put words in their mouth, but I think I read correctly that they just don't even work with enhanced athletes. People like me who will totally do that and be okay and understand enough to to be you know perfectly helpful people like you who want to do it responsibly and you you keep people safe and you give them the knowledge and and you're fine even adding a little guidance and then of course we have coaches multiple coaches who have killed literally manslaughter killed multiple clients uh and they still walk freely still doing the same things the same protocols so obviously i would avoid that camp if i were you guys listening in uh, but everybody else just understand and maybe ask, you know, here's what I'm interested in. Here's what I do. Are you okay with that? How much can you guide? Like just, just get that communication on the table because you know, obviously with information being the way it is, you can, you can learn a lot and, and you can, you can guide yourself or, or using kind of open source information and, and still be perfectly fine with a lot of good coaches. Yeah, so absolutely. It, Anything you think I missed here, Adam, that uh, that you think is great to add as just the current state of coaching, kind of a catch up to to make sure clients and coaches are on the same page of, of what to expect with each other? I think that was a really good like cliff snits. We could probably go even deeper into some of those topics, but I think this was really good. 
Well, good. And I'm sure we will at some point. So thank you, Adam. Appreciate your expertise again, as always. And everybody watching, listening, thanks. We'll see you next time in Contest Prep University.